at Ephesians 5 today. Let's start in verse 15. As you turn there, uh, something else that Reuben and I have appreciated doing now for a few months is we tune in on Sunday nights at 7 o'clock to a global prayer network. And these are people around the world that are praying. It, It was initially for the United States. Now it's for all over the globe. And people from all over the globe enter in and pray. They're They're designated. We don't pray with it. We're not on TV with them. We are praying in our house as we watch them pray. But they were talking about this last Sunday. One of the guys speaking said he started noticing 11s everywhere he looked. He would see clocks that said 11-11. He would see something else that said 11-11, And he, he said to the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What, what do I get out of this? I feel like you want to get my attention. And the Lord impressed on him to just start reading the word, chapter 11, verse 11. He went through until he got to the book of John, John 11, 11. And there Jesus said, My, our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I will go and awaken him. And the Lord spoke to him and said, the church is asleep, but I am waking her up. And so I wrote down a few things he said. He said, this is the season where we need to give ourselves to an awakening and revival by praying into it. Revival does not come at the best of times. It comes at the worst of times. So we've been praying for revival. Now that we see things getting darker and more difficult, we need to pray all the more for revival. And and so as we're watching this, and he's talking about this, I suddenly turned to Reuben and I said, remember, look, our, our oven stopped, what, two months ago, two and a half months ago? Okay, he knows exactly. That's when he stopped getting meals cooked in the oven. Anyway, the timer on the oven is 11-11. And he had said that a few times when we'd be in the kitchen. He'd say, isn't that weird that the timing, you know, it's 11-11. I'd say, yeah. We, we didn't think anything of it until I heard this guy last Sunday. And I thought, the Lord's speaking to us too. Yes, we've been praying for revival for so much. And I just feel encouraged in my spirit. The Lord is going to wake us up. He's going to wake the church up. He's going to send revival. Usually revival and persecution come together, and we're already seeing some of both because there are outbreaks of revival in different places, and there are outbreaks of persecution in different places. So it's time to lift up our heads because Jesus is coming. And in the meantime, we're going to work as hard as we can while we can work. Okay, so Ephesians 5, verse uh, 15. He says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. The word circumspectly is the Greek word akribos. It means with exactness, cautiously, carefully, as you would walk through rugged terrain. He says, walk wisely. Why? And it reflects back. So let's reflect back a bit on what Reuben shared last week. Why do we walk circumspectly? Because verse 8, we are light in the Lord. We're to walk as children of light. Because in verses 13 and 14, darkness will be brought to the light. And so 
we, in walking wisely, carefully, bring all of our sin issues, all of our carnality, any compromise in our lives, we bring that to the light. Repentance is the time. Repentance is what sparks revival. And we don't wait for unbelievers to repent. We, the church, repent. And that will get the Lord's attention. And then verse 10, discover what pleases the Lord and live that way. That is living with exactness. Lord, what pleases you? What would please you in my life today? What is obedience for me now? And walk in that. And then Paul goes on to tell us how and why we are to walk circumspectly, carefully in all wisdom. As he moves on into verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming is the Greek word exagorazo, and it means to make the most of every opportunity to buy back the time to rescue it from loss. Why? Because the days are evil and they're growing more evil. So hold your place there and go to Colossians chapter 4. Remember that Paul wrote Ephesians and Colossians around the same time. They have a whole lot of overlap. So he says similarly here, but I just want us to see these words too. Colossians 4 verse 5, he says, Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Those who are outside are those who are outside the body of Christ, the unbelievers. So his, he says, walk wisely, make the most of every opportunity to express God's love and to share the gospel of salvation. And then goes on to verse 6, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each one. So how do we walk wisely toward those who are, that are outside? We make sure our speech is full of grace and it causes a thirst for righteousness. That's part of being seasoned with salt that we are carrying so much the salt of the life of God that the people around us thirst to know Him like we do. They thirst for righteousness. And then we'll know how to answer every question. He said that you know how to answer everyone. We'll know how to answer if we know the Word of God. It's imperative in our day to know the Word of God. To know how to share the Word and that we are tuned to the Spirit of God. He will enable us to discern each situation in the heart of the person that we're talking with. So it's all by the Spirit, but we need to apply ourselves to know the Scripture and be able to answer the questions that come our way. Okay, go back to Ephesians 5. <clears throat> Verse 17, he says, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. To be unwise means to be foolish or without reason. So he says, don't be without reason. Don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the desires of the Lord are. Now, we know a lot of areas of his will from other scriptures. I'll just remind you of some. It is his will that we obey his commandments, that we share the gospel, make disciples, work hard so we have something to give, flee immorality, give thanks in everything, and pray about everything. But in context, he's highlighting verses 15 through 18. God's will is that we walk carefully in wisdom, that we redeem the time, and that we be filled with the Holy Spirit at all times. So look at verse 18. The first half, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. 
Basically, he's saying, don't be drunk with wine where there's excess and where there's waste, and, and it's implied where there is rebellion. Don't be drunk with wine, but do be drunk with the Holy Spirit. It's actually the same phrase, be inebriated with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit is how the interpreters wrote it here. And it's a, a Greek phrase. It's written in the Greek present continuous tense, and it literally says, be being filled with the Spirit. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how we maneuver the evil days that we're in. So if the Holy Spirit moves inside us when we're born again, which we know He does, why are we commanded to be continually filled with Him? Aren't we filled all the time? No, we're not. Because we leak. And I'm going to show you a visual aid here. So here's our vessel. More water just went into the big picture. And, and I'm going to be filling this vessel, and you're going to see that it starts leaking. You all see it? It's raining. When, when does the Holy Spirit leak out of us? It's actually both good and bad. It's good in that every time we serve others, every time we give of the life of God in us, we are leaking the Holy Spirit. Every time we use the gifts of the Spirit, we are leaking the Holy Spirit. We're giving out of the Spirit of God that's within us. Every time we walk through trials that drain us, we need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. Every time we minister to others, we need to be refilled with the Spirit of God. When we've grown complacent or when we've worked too hard and we feel kind of empty. Remember when that lady touched the hem of Jesus' garment and he said, I felt virtue go out of me. That's what happened. He leaked the Holy Spirit. And there are times that you feel the virtue has gone out of you. That's the leaking of the Spirit. It's not bad. It's good. It just means we've got to get back in God's presence to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. When we've been persecuted for righteousness' sake, we need refilling. As we walk through life, we're being attacked, we're drained, we're giving away the life and love of God, and we leak out the life of the Spirit, and we need to be refilled. So how are we continually filled with the Spirit? Well, one thing that Reuven and I often do is that after one of us has taught the Word, the other one will pray for a refilling of the Spirit of God. Lord, would you refill? We do this often as we're driving home from church on Sunday morning. Whoever did not teach prays for the one who did teach. And we do that when we minister in discipleship, whatever we're doing. We're praying for a refilling of the Holy Spirit but he actually tells us in context how to be filled, continually filled with the Spirit of God here. So let's read on. In verse 19, he says, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So the, the first part of verse 19, we speak to one another in the language of the kingdom of God. 
So I want you to hear that. We speak to each other in the language of the kingdom. And that is psalms, scriptural lyrics, words. That's with hymns. Those are inspired faith-building words. Or spiritual songs, impromptu lyrics, words inspired by the Holy Spirit. In your language or in the language of the Spirit, which is also called speaking in tongues. The idea is, is that we speak inspired words of life all the time. That's how we, that's one of the ways we stay continually filled with the Holy Spirit is that we are speaking words of life. We're speaking words of wisdom. We're challenging. We're inspiring. We're encouraging. We're affirming. And, and we can use words in scripture. We can use words that the Holy Spirit in, inspires us to share. That's part of it. And then move on. In the second half, it says we're to keep our hearts filled with thanksgiving and praise, making melody with our hearts to the Lord. So we can wake up in the morning with a song in our hearts. Do you all do that? Do a lot of you wake up with a song in your heart in the morning? And then do you go throughout the day singing worship songs in your heart, even though you're doing other things, interacting with people, working, cleaning, whatever you're doing? But there's an ongoing worship and praise in your heart that's one of the ways to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> if we don't do that, then the negatives will take over that vacuum. The thoughts of doubt, the negative thoughts about ourselves, about other people, thoughts of fear, anxiety, um, even criticism, complaining, slander. Negatives will fil filter in if we don't filter them out through filling our inner man with praise and worship. So let's look again at verse 18. He says, Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. It's a command. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit of God, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's kingdom lingo. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So whatever we do or say should be permeated with an attitude of joy, thankfulness to God, and encouragement of others. So instead of complaining or speaking negatively, we're to focus on the goodness of God and His mercy toward us. When we gather together to praise the Lord, we encourage each other in God's presence. You know how it feels when you're singing alone at home. You're doing it as a discipline. You may or, not, may, or may not feel the presence of God. But when you come into like the life center or the chapel or, or some kind of worship gathering and you're all worshiping the Lord together and you're hearing each other praise and worship him, it encourages you. It lifts your spirit. It inspires you. And when they hear you, it inspires them and encourages them. That's one of the reasons he says in Hebrews 2, 10, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together. Don't stay away. And this lockdown was really damaging to the body of Christ because so many stayed away, not just from our church, from every church. And church people that do statistics are now saying that 30% of Christians will not return to church. Now that we've had a lockdown and they've gotten used to watching on TV or, or Zooming in or live streaming and they've gotten more lazy. I mean, why get dressed and go to church if you can sit at home in your pajamas with your coffee cup? You know, and so there, there's a discipline in coming together. The Lord wants us to come together. We're not to forsake that. 
And uh, we, we need to really pray for our brothers and sisters that have fallen into the trap of not gathering again. I talked to one of our, one of our widows and I said, when are we going to see you again? And she said, well, not until this whole COVID thing is passed. You know what? It may never be passed because it's like the flu. We have flu every season. We'll probably have COVID every season. Let's not stay away. Let's be together because we need to build one, one another up in the body of Christ. When we neglect coming together, it deprives us of strength and it deprives others of the strength and encouragement that we give when we do come together. We need to meet together. We need to build each other up and help one another be filled with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so verse 20 says, giving thanks always for all things. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So which is it? It's both. We give thanks in all things, good and bad. And we give thanks for all things, good and bad. Our thanks and praise is not dependent on our circumstances. It's dependent on Him who is worthy. So whatever we're walking through, we give thanks to him. That again is a discipline, but it becomes a delight as we enter into that and it becomes part of our lifestyle. Everything he allows is always for our good. So we can trust him in that. We can thank him because it's for our good. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from the Father above, Father of lights, with whom there's no shadow of turning. So every good and perfect gift. Some things may not look like good gifts to us, but ultimately God uses it for our good and for his glory. And that's where we just need to trust him. I was reading a story about a, a crippled lady. This is in a book called The Book and Its Mission, referring to the, the Bible and its mission. It's a true story of a 64-year-old woman who was bedridden with rheumatoid arthritis her body was crippled and curled together by this disease that had ravaged her for 28 years. For 16 of those years, she could not move from her bed, could not look out the window, or even lift her hand to her face. She could not move a limb, and yet she was in constant excruciating pain. But she was thankful to God that he left her with a great blessing. She had use of one thumb. And even though her hand was curled and stiff and totally useless, she had that thumb. So she had a two-pronged fork attached to a stick. And with that, she could put her glasses on and take them off. She could turn the pages of a large Bible. And she could feed herself with a lot of difficulty. But she could do it. One day she had a visitor that mentioned to her that she was all alone. And she said, yes, with a sweet and happy voice, I am alone and yet not alone. I feel that the Lord is constantly with me. He asked how long she had lain there. She said, for 16 years and four months, and for two years and four months, I have not been lifted out of my bed to have it made. Yet I have much to praise and bless the Lord for. He asked what was the source of her happiness, and she replied, the thought that my sins are forgiven and dwelling on the great love of Jesus, my Savior. 
I am content to lie here as long as it please him that I should stay and to go whenever he should call me. She'd learned the secret of contentment, that she could do all things through Christ who strengthens her. And she found a lot of that through her own thanks and praise to him. I think if she can, we can, right? Let's turn to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. The phrase out of the song we sang, you give and take away, and I will bless you. Um, it, it comes from this chapter. I think you already knew that. But Job 1, let's start in verse 8, says, The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does, God, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is, is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabaeans raided them and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, took them away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young men, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. So look at Job. He lost everything in one day, all of his wealth, because they counted wealth according to their animals. He lost all of his thousands of oxen, donkey, sheep, and camels. He lost all ten of his children and his servants. They all died in one day. I mean, we can't even imagine that kind of devastation. They lost everything. So what did Job do? In verse 20, Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my, my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away <clears throat> Blessed be the name of the Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
So what did Job do? He tore his robe and shaved his head in grief. He fell to the ground and worshiped God. He did not accuse God of wrongdoing. He did not sin in his heart or with his words. He surrendered to God's sovereignty and humility. And basically he said, I came into this world with nothing and I will leave here with nothing. Everything I have was given to me by the Lord and now he has taken it away. That is his prerogative. And we need to know that. That is his prerogative. I bless his name, his character, his person, who he is. He is worthy of my praise and of my worship. So we thank him in all circumstances. We thank him for all circumstances because he is always worthy. Let's go back to Ephesians 5. Let me just point out again in verse 20, he says, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's significant. We don't just thank God in the name of Jesus. The word name is the Greek word onoma, and, he, and that means nature, character, person, rank, authority. When we are in Jesus, we're abiding in Jesus, we're abiding in his authority, we're abiding in his name, his character, his nature. We can do things that we could not do in our own strength. We can do all things through Christ who lives in us and strengthens us. So he's saying, give thanks for everything in the name of Jesus. As you abide in the person, the character of Jesus, he is in you and he's thriving in you. You are in him. He is in you. There's a life exchange continually. As you do that, you can give thanks for all things. And then verse 21 says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. To submit means to stand under. It is to place or rank yourself under another the word suggests obedience and subordination. And the phrase, in the fear of God, is a guideline. If someone over you tells you to do something contrary to the word of God, you are not to submit to that. You submit to one another in the fear of God. So that's our guideline. In our families, in the church, we are called to maintain a selfless, submissive attitude based on the fear of God. Because we revere Him, we humbly submit to one another, we walk uprightly, which builds the unity of the family and of the body of Christ. Let's look at one last scripture, go to Philippians chapter 2. This is part of submitting to one another. And these verses 3 and 4 give us a few ways to submit. Verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So if that's our mindset, if we are esteeming others better than ourselves and we're looking out for their interests, we will find it easy to stand under, to submit 
to them in the body so that we can build the body of Christ. The phrase in Greek that said that the, the word for understand is actually to stand under someone else's opinion. And that's how we understand each other. We listen to one another. We're courteous. We stand other one, under one another's opinions. We don't um, take pride in our own opinion and assert our own way or our own thoughts. We listen to one another, and that's how we build the body. So to wrap up, how do we stay filled with the Holy Spirit? We saw it in Scripture. I'm just going to repeat. We speak words of inspiration and life to one another, words of truth, hope, and faith based on Scripture. We sing and praise the Lord in our hearts, which keeps us joyful and vitally connected to God. We express our thanks always to the Father, and we submit to one another as we walk in the fear of the Lord. It's easier just to pray and say, Lord, please refill me with your Holy Spirit. But we need to obey the scripture. And he gives it clearly to us what we are to obey, what we're to do. So let's pray together. Let's pray that we can walk this out. Lord, thank you for the clarity of your word that you, you make it clear to us what we are to obey in order to receive the condition, the, the promise, your promises that we can be filled and overflowing with the Spirit of God. And we need that in order to minister effectively to others. So Lord, I, I just pray for all of us right now, those that are, have been walking through a very hard time, maybe a dry time, I pray for those that have walked through some severe trials recently and still feel the weight of that. Those that have been wounded by the words or actions of others and they have been trying to forgive, but the offense is pulling on the life of God within them. I pray for those that have been serving in many capacities, really laying down their lives for other people, wearing themselves out to build the kingdom of God in the lives of others. Lord, for all of us, wherever we find ourselves today, Lord, would you fill us again with the Holy Spirit? I think of how the disciples, uh, Peter and John, after they were put in prison for healing the lame man at the gate beautiful in Acts 3, and then in Acts 4, they were told not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore, and they said, we cannot do that. We must tell about Jesus, and then they went back to the other disciples. They all prayed together, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit again. And so, Lord, I pray for that for us today. Would you fill us with the Holy Spirit again? Overflow the life of God within us. I pray a stirring up of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that have been laying dormant, that we have not been walking in, we haven't been using. Lord, would you stir those up and release them through us, that we will be a dynamic family of God that is led by the Spirit of God, energized and empowered by the Holy Spirit, and using those gifts to minister to others. And then, Lord, would you help us to speak words of inspiration and life, words of truth, hope, and faith that are based on the Word of God. Would you cleanse our mouths from every negative word that we have been speaking or that we do speak? Today we repent. Lord, wash our mouths with the blood of Jesus. May these instruments that have been used for unrighteousness 
from now on be used for righteousness. Lord, I pray that you'd put a fresh new song in our hearts, that we would be those that would sing throughout the day in our hearts. We'd make melody in our hearts to the Lord, that you would be pleased, you'd be blessed by our worship of you. And we do thank you, Lord, for all things. And we thank you in all things. I pray, Lord, for greater levels of submission to one another in the body of Christ. We, we live, Lord, in a, this Western society that is so individualistic. And we're too independent. And we're too separated from one another. I pray for an anointing of interdependence in the body of Christ, not only here in this room, but in this congregation. I prayed in every church in Waco. May we become interdependent as your people in this city and so build the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Anyone else have a testimony you'd like to share as Reuben walks up? Too late. Here comes Reuben. You know, as Shannon was sharing about uh, our watching the voice of the martyrs, um, I remember watching it last year as well. It was very sobering and yet very deep inward building confidence and faith uh, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And, you know, 74 years, I think that I've lived a a lot of life, have gone through a number of hardships. The testimonies of these three men, a man named Peter, who is from the Czech Republic, uh, spent 11, I think it was 11 months in a Sudanese prison. Wow. Wow. And then it was Andrew Brunson who spent over two years in a Turkish prison. And then a fellow by the name of Dan uh, Sussman or something, I can't remember what his last name was, but he served in Afghanistan for 12 years, but decided to have a holiday so they could go to nearby Iran and see the sites, see what uh, uh, ancient Nineveh was like. And, And two of the three of these men... They had only planned on going there for a two-week holiday. Uh, Except for the, um, uh, where where they got arrested in the country where they were in. The the fellow that got arrested in Iran, uh, here he did all the wonderful sightseeing, and he goes, he's on the, the, the bus that goes to the final stage to where they cross over back into Afghanistan, and security police came and said, uh, can I see your passport? Uh, can you step over aside here? And as they were talking with him, the bus driver says, okay, we're going to get ready. Come. And the officer just said, leave. And yeah, it ended up, he, they, he spent nine weeks in prison and they beat him every day. You know, he had a dual passport, Swiss and American. But you know, they'll find out, even though he went in on a Swiss passport, they found out he was American. Uh, our country is really hated by a lot of people. I mean, intensely hated. Didn't used to be that way. I remember when I first moved to Israel in 1982, man, everyone loved Americans. It's changed. 
but to hear uh, th- that precious man, you know, 12 years of hardship. Of course, he was, he was serving with uh, different uh, projects of uh, delivering help and hope, and I forget what organization he was with, but he did a lot of great service for 12 years. Now he's in the test of his life. And he didn't feel he could go through it any longer with the tortures and the, and the punching beatings every day. And finally, he, de- he decided he was going to take his sock, wet his sock, and then stretch it over a sink that he had in there, and he was going to drown himself. He was going to tie it in such a knot that he would not be able to get his head out of this. And he tried committing suicide three times, and it, it just didn't work. But the testimony that he had about the intimacy of Jesus when he finally said, okay, I'm already dead. I am crucified with Christ and I'm experiencing crucifixion in this time. But I'm going to give thanks. I'm going to give thanks. Andrew Brunson had the same situation and God God just revealed to him, uh, rejoice in all things. And he said, he had, he had been in prison for almost a year and hadn't rejoiced at all. Well, I can understand. But God challenged him. He said, I will rejoice in all things. So um, he said, okay, God, I'm, I'm not joyful, but I will rejoice. And he did his little dance in his cell every day. He had about, he had about 10 minutes in the morning. It was his ritual dance before the Lord. But out of that act of obedience, God began to stir in his heart a transforming work of identifying with the sufferings of Christ and able to rejoice. So the five or ten minutes in the morning started getting stretched in different times throughout the day. Somehow, beloved, God's calling us to a place of rejoicing in our difficult times. That's nothing like what they experienced. I can't even, not even a scratch. So if we've not been able to walk with the footmen, what are we going to do when the horses come? So I believe we all need fresh strength. We should all say that's right. right. We all need fresh strength. Uh, And there could possibly be times of trial that are yet ahead of us, or not just us, but our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. And we need to be vessels of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, trees of righteousness, that when our limbs spread out, it's prayer that's going all over the family, and the Lord is preparing us to stand. Having done all to stand, stand, therefore. We're getting up to that in Ephesians 6. So let's all stand. Lord, we just take hold of that scripture that we're coming up to in chapter 6. Having done all to stand, stand. And Lord, these, these precious men in those prison situations sometimes were beaten so severely that all they could do is get into a fetal position. Lord, we have it so good here in America. We're we're not happy with a lot of things that we see taking place in our country. But Lord, we have a whole lot to rejoice in. I pray that you would develop in us now an ability to rejoice in everything. 
to even be able to give thanks in everything. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning each one of us. And Lord, would you forgive us of our complaining hearts? Something that we don't like and we're quick to voice it out to others. Lord, I pray that our prayer life would increase. That we would come to you with all of the problems that we're having. The disagreements that we have. The anxiety, everything in us that disturbs us, we could talk it out with God. Because you're a father that's longing to have your sons and daughters come to you and pour out your heart before him like water before the presence of the Lord. Lord, we want to be in that type of relationship where we can talk to you about everything. And that communion, that relationship, which is what salvation is all about. It's all about a restored, broken relationship from Adam in the garden to the second Adam, Jesus. And you restored a broken relationship that all mankind had with God the Father. And Lord, all of salvation from then on is all about relationship. And you're calling us to deeper relationship, more intimate relationship, more face-to-face -face relationship with God. You're longing for intimacy. I see you in the cleft of the rock. I hear your voice and see your face. And your voice is sweet and your face is comely. Song of songs. So Lord, I pray that this week you would... Put a check, Holy Spirit conviction in our hearts the first time we start complaining. <laughs> and Lord, we're all going to be guilty of this. So let's get ready right now. We welcome your Holy Spirit conviction to areas that are not of God. So that we can be sons and daughters in whom you are well pleased. And having done all to stand, we're standing tall in the things of God. Blessed be your glorious name, Lord. We take this word from Ephesians and hide it in our hearts, Lord. We take this word and we say, may this word become flesh, become reality, practicality, real life in each of us to the majesty of the name, nature, character, person, and authority in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Have a great rest of the day. Yeah, Tim. Boy. It's too late. Well, just a real quick request for a guy, Adi, in San Diego. We're getting ready to go there on Friday. And next Sunday, I'd really like everybody to pray next Sunday while we're there. Because we're going to try to witness again to this guy. He's an Iranian guy. And we got to witness to him back in October. And we gave him a far New Testament. And, uh, you should have told me this in the beginning. Well, I didn't think I got here late. Oh, oh, that's ah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We will specifically pray about this next Sunday. Can you be with him next Sunday? Well, I'm not necessarily on Sunday, but during that week. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so sometimes from Sunday on. Yeah. All right. We'll have that specific. His name is Adi. A D I. Okay. And he owns a drugstore. Send, send me a... I'll send the details. Yeah, send me a... Uh, yeah. he, uh, yeah. he owns a drugstore in La Jolla, which is a uh, real I know where La Jolla is. nice area. That's where, uh, incidentally, that's where uh, uh, Dr. Seuss used to live. Really? 
his wife still lives there. Dead or something. I forget his real name. Anyway, uh, but his this guy's daughter. He told me his daughter goes to an evangelical church and she's gone on mission trips. So his daughter, is 18, has been obviously been praying for him. And Sharon and I pulled up and said, "Hey, you want to go see this rock star?" We went in. We started talking to him, and I said, I said Sharon, this guy's from Iran. Persian rock Yeah, yeah, he came over, and I said, where are you from? He said, I'm from Iran. I just told my wife. And we started talking, and I said, where's the party in the car? And I had one copy of the Iranian New Testament, Farsi and Farsi New Testament. Yeah. <laughs> Out of all the ones I have. And uh, he, he says, this is my language. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So um, he was so thrilled that he gave us, there was a little rug sample that's about two yeah. two feet. He was going to sell it for $140. He said, he went over and he got it. He said, I want to give this to you now. I said, oh, yeah. And I said, no, no, no. You gave me this book. I want to give this rug. You know what so, they use those little ones for? Well, actually, they were just samples to choose. They well, they're pretty much over the large normally for sale. Their primates are about like this. Anyway, but we're, we've been praying for them ever hey, since. How much Oh, uh, your money actually seventy-five dollars more than the twenty-two. Ah, yeah, yeah. Praise the Lord. Basically. <laughs> That's great. When do you uh, leave? We leave uh, Friday. We're going out of Houston. You're driving? No, we're actually taking our granddaughter with us. Hey. Paul, Paul's daughter, the real tall one yeah. that was here. Uh, it'll be her first time to go to San Diego. It's her spring break. So we're taking her with us. And we're going to visit our great granddaughter. Our first great granddaughter. It's so cool. We're so excited to see that. Too and, young to uh, be a great grandma. Anyway, you be, have everybody pray for Adi. Yeah, I will. You send me the info. I'll